Welcome to Quantum Journeys, a podcast where we explore the fascinating intersections of neuroscience, hypnosis, quantum physics, and the metaphysical. In this mind-bending journey, we will delve into the depths of the human mind, exploring the extraordinary abilities that lie dormant within each of us. We'll uncover the hidden connections between our thoughts, our emotions, and our created realities, and discover how to harness these connections to alchemize a life of abundance, joy, and fulfillment. Hi, and welcome to the Quantum Journeys podcast, where we explore the intersectionality between hypnosis, multidimensional consciousness, quantum physics, and everything in between, which is really everything there is, right? <laughs> I'm Krista Murray Bowman, founder of Quantum Journeys Hypnosis Academy. And today I have with me Dr. Susan Williams. Uh, she is a doctor of quantum counseling and advanced animal communication. She has just written a book called Quantum Prosperity, the Universal Equation for Financial Success. Um, and upon asking her a little bit more about this, she says it's basically how to use quantum physics and the law of prosperity, like the finding where they intertwine, how to invoke the law of prosperity using quantum physics. Um, and what a fascinating subject. So let's start with this book, because I think you said it only just became available yesterday. Yes? Yes, that's correct. Yes. Um, very excited about it because... I got the concept after reading um, Catherine Ponder's book about the, the law of prosperity. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a mentor who is uh, very much into um, using all the universal laws, but he has incredible talents of being able to clear your um, body remotely and that type of thing. But he did a, um, a masterclass. And he, it was just an off-the-cuff mention of this book by Catherine Ponder. So I thought, well, it sounds very interesting. I'll go and read it. It's quite old now. I think it was written in the 60s, perhaps late 60s. Mm -hmm. But just reading it and then with my background in quantum physics uh, through my doctorate, it's an interesting thing to investigate. Where the, I did not realize that you had a doctorate in quantum physics. That's well, that's fascinating. That's all. Yes, that's all involved with the quantum counseling. I which, see. Yeah, which um, I would tell everyone is um, based on epigenetics. So it right. uh, I have the ability to counsel people to change their lifestyle, so that using the quantum uh, field. You can go down, change your DNA, uh, cleanse your body, get rid of all the toxicity, change your uh, the way you live your life with, mm. and the mental part of it as well right. so that you improve on all levels. And that's what the quantum counselling is about. That is fascinating. And there's some yes. intersectionality between that and quantum journeys hypnosis too, because we work with Absolutely. things at the cellular, the DNA level and consciousness. So that's yeah, what yes. a perfect like blending that you have found. Yes. Yeah. Well, I did the doctorate first and then uh, I had already, I was already a clinical hypnotherapist doing sport hypnotherapy. That, that my practice right, that's is right. um, in its fifth year. But then when I saw the, the, um, quantum journeys hypnosis oh that just aligns so perfectly so yeah, yeah it's like we were meant to find each other or something yes, that is so fantastic so yes i did that training and just that that's i know i put on uh, one of the facebook groups that i think that the quantum journeys hypnosis i call it my box of chocolates hypnosis because yeah just like forrest gump you never know what you're going to get <laughs> Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I yeah. love that. I think I might have to start using that too. Because yeah. oftentimes people ask me like, well, what is it? And I'm like, what is it not? Because that would be almost easier, right? <laughs> so but but let's get back to this book. Um, and mm -hmm. don't give away all the secrets. I realize that you Why actually not? want to sell the book. So but I am curious to just um, like, where did you come up with the concept uh, of the law of prosperity and using quantum physics to bring that about. Where yeah, it's just because everything goes down to the, the particles and how particles 
react. We have the, the quantum wave, which can't change until someone observes it and then it must mm. change. In, it collapses into the reality that the observer uh, wants it to collapse into pretty much. So when you're dealing which, with... Right, which we know because of the double... Uh, double slit experiments, we, yeah, that's the, the famous one, right? But yeah. so you're taking this concept and applying it to prosperity and abundance. That it, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So in the book, I just go through the different ways that um, the quantum field works, how it interacts with us on mm. our um, in our dimension. And how we can use it to benefit ourselves for prosperity, because in Catherine Ponder's book, uh, she's a, um, a minister, a religious minister, and she tells how God absolutely wants all his children to be prosperous. Money isn't evil. She quotes one part from the Bible which has been taken in the wrong way. And it mm. was specifically for a group of people who were uh, following uh, idolatry and not accepting that all the goodness comes from God. So I have to say I'm not a particularly religious person, but I'm just quoting what she was saying in the book, and it just makes sense. And she's very open in saying that one bit of the Bible, that one quote has really skewed the way people think about money for next centuries yeah. and she said no, it's quite wrong god wants everyone to be prosperous have a, a very prosperous life not just with money but with their health relationships uh, just the world in general so it's interesting how humans have taken that and um perceived it as as there being something very almost righteous about taking a vow of poverty, for example, Absolutely. even if you're only doing it at the level of belief and not in your own life. And maybe even if it's at the level of subconscious belief, you're not even aware that you have this sort of hierarchical perception um, of money being evil. And, and then you're out there in the world trying to make money and wondering like, why isn't this working for me? And then you peel back the layers and here you find, oh, look at that. There's this ingrained you know, religious concept that that just got sort of misinterpreted is what you're you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because she quotes so many other um, disciples and other people throughout the Bible who are just um, proving that the messages they got from God say, go out and prosper. <laughs> well, it would make sense that if there's a God or some sort of divine consciousness that yes. why would it create a life form to live on a planet, gifting it with that, and then seek to take all of the things away that would make that life actually um, enjoyable, right? Yes. That doesn't make any sense to mm -hmm. me. What, what kind of God would do that? So, yeah, yeah I, I think that, I mean, I'm not a religious person at all, and I don't even tend to really use the word God um, mm. or, or spirit or spirituality but I do definitely feel that there is, and this is just from sort of empirical experiences as well as in my own hypnotherapy sessions, that there is a source consciousness of some sort, oh, whatever that is. Yeah. It could be a collective, could be, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, a, a singularity of source consciousness that I think we yes. all belong to in some way. Um, but yeah, it's not um, tit for tat. It's not an eye for an eye. This singularity of consciousness seems to actually be far as I can tell, love. And yes. so mm -hmm. if you love, if you are love, if your entire, you know, sort of mission and purpose is to send out these um, fragments of yourself to learn greater aspects of love, why would you then want them to take a vow of poverty or a vow of anything that mm. makes life incredibly painful and difficult? I don't think you do. Yeah. That's human's interpretation, I guess, or misinterpretation. Yeah. 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 And okay, I mean, I'll get off of my soapbox now because this no, is an interview about you. But this is something where we both totally come into alignment. Yes. But, I mean, we're talking about interpretation. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you want to interpret it in the positive way? 
exactly. and then use that to improve your life. And as she says, every time you improve your life, you're sending out these positive thoughts, vibrations um, to everyone. So you're not only improving your own life, because as we know with quantum physics, everything is connected and it's instantly connected. There's, there's no time lapse at all. So every time you have that positive thought and you're sending out love and you're sending out positivity to the, I call it the multiverse rather than the universe. Right. Uh, and even if all you're doing is just uh, aware of the impact that it has immediately with close friends, family, there's still that. And, and we can see that in real time, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So even uh, if you take it like out of the realm of quantum physics, even though we do know now for sure that everything is energy. And so if there's anybody out there that is um, thinking we don't have this uh, research, we do. We do have this oh, research. Yeah. Everything's energy. But oh, yeah. even if we take it like back, back that up and go like, well, I want like 3D world examples, right? Well, we have the fact that we're a tribal species and so in our immediate tribe, when one of us is having um, really positive emotions or really negative emotions, it affects everybody around us, right? And we've been there. We know this. Like when you walk into a room and there's, you know, Mr. Grumpykins, we tend to want to stay away from him. When we walk into a room and there's somebody that's like effervescent and bubbly, we tend to want to be around them. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was how I... Uh, came up with the idea. I thought it's it just the perfect meshing of it. I love that. Because if you look at the intent of religion in its best form, then it is to unify everyone. And what are we doing? Unified theory with quantum. So yes. just slotted so perfectly. I thought, well, yes, I'll, I'll record that so I don't forget. <laughs> Well, and even research that's been done by like Dr. Lynn McTaggart into mm -hmm. um, when you have a group of people all collectively focusing uh, a thought on something or someone, there, there's measurable results. But as she was saying, and I think it was the intention experiment, that, that book of hers before the, mm -hmm. before the Power of Eight, or maybe it was the Power of Eight. I don't remember which one she said it in, but she was like, you know, there's a reason why churches stumbled upon the concept of doing this collectively like yeah. everybody in a group and they call it prayer but prayer is really no different than you know collective intention right <clears throat> bringing it all together so that's right yeah yeah and you've found that through uh the lens of science and you know religion found it through uh, a different lens and I, I i feel like we all somehow intrinsically know this we know that one person's energy is great, but when you add another and another, it more mm. than doubles each time. Like it becomes yes. greater and greater and greater. Yes, it is. It's exponential. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's that one percent concept, right? The one if one percent of the entire world's population is, um, you know, holding a singular thought, like meditating prayerfully yeah. on world peace, mm -hmm. it has a measurable effect. We've yeah. got lots of experiments that prove this. So. Yeah, we have been doing this, and oh, and and it's um, we're just doing it at the right time because it is able to be disseminated so easily now. Oh yeah, All social media, global news, yes, yeah. So the more that we send this out, and the more people who find out about it and think, well, this could be something interesting. I'll investigate that then. Yeah, it's that exponential thing. It just keeps growing and growing, which is amazing. And yeah, and the flip side planet. is that the negative stuff does that too. Well, it does. You know? So you have to pick people, and choose. Like they live yeah, side by side, so you can be I like, you know what? I'm realizing, yeah, that you know we're being fooled by so many of these groups. Yeah. Who want to um, send out that information for their own benefit. Capitalizing on fear. People yeah. people are realizing because yeah. they're just, it's just, so it's getting beyond a joke now that the things that um, those in power are trying to make us believe. Yeah. And the documentaries that are 
more like mockumentaries, you know, where it's just 100% fear mongering. It's designed to like capture your attention and squeeze you into places where you feel like, oh my God, the world is ending so that you're easier to manipulate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but, but what you're saying and what I'm saying, I absolutely agree with this, is that the positive can spread just as quickly. And all absolutely. we have to do is focus on it. And there we go. And if, and if you are using this positivity, you know that you're feeling yourself so much better. So why would you want to bring yourself down into those, you know, those depressive moods? What's your what's your theory on that? Because there are a lot of people that do seem to want to, even if they say they don't want to, they're still seeking that out. What, what's your theory on why there there is such a um, a large population of people that are actively seeking things that are anxiety producing and fear producing? I think because so many of us were brought up in families with lack, mm. with being unworthy. That uh, and as hypnotherapists, we know that period of life from before birth up to about seven years old, that's when all this information is imprinted because the the young mind is just like a sponge, takes in all this. So if you're in a family situation or just in a community situation, as I know you were in a community situation as a youngster, mm-hmm. um, this information just gets imprinted and then that's what you return to. That's your comfort zone. That's what I was taught as a child. It's familiar. It is familiar. So that's what we always return to. Familiarity makes us feel comfortable, even though we've been comfortable in our discomfort. And (laughs) you've studied epigenetics, so there's that also. So it's not just how the Mm -hmm. first seven years of our lives, we're going back multiple generations. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you're... Uh, maternal generation that way, paternal generations that way, and they just go on to the dawn of time. So everything in the past affects how you currently are. But at the same time, because of the study of epigenetics, we know that we can change our DNA. DNA is with all the genes which can be switched on and off, even if you have um, genes that are malfunctioning. You have plenty of others that can take over the job of the malfunctioning gene. You just need to change your lifestyle in a way that turns on the helpful genes, which can override the the ones that need to be turned off. And so what tools would you suggest a person use in order to to bring about changes at the DNA level? Physically, you should be detoxing. Heavy metals are a big problem because... It's your body can't get rid of them unless you actively go in and use um, detox medications to get rid of them because they just stick in your cells. That That's the way they are. The chemical mm-hmm. um, bonds just stick there. So you need to have the detox program to remove them. And, and so is there a particular resource that you would suggest people look for when because there's so many different detox programs out there yeah. is there any one in particular that you're like oh this one definitely works or this one yeah i use touchstone essential um products they've got a zeolite uh, detox and another one which combines a spray that you put in your mouth and some drops you have in water but they're quite gentle some of the detoxes can be quite horrendous on your body because they're just so strong this is gentle this can be used on um your kids right down to toddlers um it's fine for nursing mothers to be doing it um it won't affect their baby while they're they're drinking you can use it on your pets so it's it's nice and gentle i'll make sure we include the link to that and you're not a spokesperson or anything so just so everybody knows but we'll um include a link to that so people can find that um, yeah that's that's very good they have the two different ones the the zeolite i think is a bit stronger than the one that i use but again there's a lot of research into Mm -hmm. both the um the formulas that they use so that's very good with sound oh go ahead sorry 
There's a slight no, delay no, no. in our interview. Um, <laughs> well, you're in Australia and I'm in America. How many thousands of miles apart are we? It's kind of amazing that we can even have this interview. Well, yeah. that's, that's that, uh, yeah, that's that instant connection, isn't it? We have a very... Yeah, almost instant. There's a slight delay. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah that's, that's the incredible thing about technology these days yeah, that we really. can do this. So, okay, we've got the detox. What about sound frequencies as far as um, how to alter your DNA to to repair your DNA? Is that something? Because that's something I've been really like going down the rabbit hole of for the past several months or actually probably over a year now is sound frequencies. Yeah, yeah. And again, again, I'm not a spokesperson for it, but I use Holosync, which... Um, Can you spell that? <sighs> H O L O C S Y N C. Okay, think. Um, technology through Centerpoint Research, and I've been using that for five or six years. And that starts off with a very, again, very gentle, and you go through over a number of years all the different levels. Oh, so beautiful. again, that's that's affecting your DNA because it's. Um, I can't remember the technology of it, but I do remember that listening to it because it has frequencies that you can't actually hear. There's a track that you hear mm -hmm. and then the, the Cymatics, other is that the word you're looking for, perhaps? No, no, it's not. No, it's not. But, again, that it, you don't realise it's working. But I tell right. you what, after when you start, after a few days and the emotions start coming up, because that's what it does. It frees the emotions. Starts to bring and, wow. <laughs> so so good to know that we should go in with that um, that caveat, that be prepared, yeah. that some emotions oh, that might have been buried in there, trapped inside, are going to start to flow again, which is not always super pleasant, but is necessary. But I like that you emphasize yeah. that it's gentle, because there are a lot of um, modalities out there right now that seek to do the same sort of thing, but maybe not necessarily in a gentle way. Mm. Um, I myself had uh, some hypnosis a few years ago that was based on regression only, and it brought up some stuff that was repressed. It, honest to good, goodness, was absolutely repressed. Um, yeah. And I didn't have the, the tools to handle them coming all the way to the surface like that, but they weren't coming up to the surface just naturally. They were being like grabbed and pulled out. Yeah. And I spent about six months just really um, recovering from that. So yeah, that, I have that was not a least. gentle method. Oh, <laughs> and even no. though I'm a hypnotherapy no. practitioner and trainer myself, that's mm. not a method that I tend to, to use because of the effect that it had on me. And I'm not saying it would have that effect on everyone. But the fact that it did on me, well, I tend to not use that, you know. But any of those non-gentle ways, I love you that just, you... You just don't that. know what people have been through and right. how much is just sitting there <laughs> ready to explode. But I, I, I'm in the same situation that I was trained early on with the regression therapy, and I don't use that anymore yeah. because... It was more trouble than it was worth. It was. I think also difficult. some people are wired to like to like the more invasive things. Like I have this one colleague who does breath work, and she does massage also, and she's great. She's great at what she does. Um, but when she was working with me, it was really intense and like digging in there. And I was like, oh, I think maybe I need to go a little slower. A little softer, mm -hmm. like that's just, but, but for her that works and she loves it when it's like really getting in there and just digging in, you know, and all the stuff. And, um, it was too much for me. And yeah. even with breath work, certain like the, uh, what is it called? Wim Hof is too much for me, but I like really oh. gentle breath work. So I think <laughs> yeah, you know, there's 8 billion on. people on the planet. We're all going to resonate with something different. So I think yeah. that some people that more like intensive, Digging in there, you know, is really going to be what works for them. I think for me, the, the gentle approach works a lot better. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad oh, and, you're on board with that. Yeah. And the massage, again, yeah, if you go to a good practitioner, that is another great step towards mm, healing. For repairing DNA. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
if you go to a good practitioner, because we do hold emotions in our body. We know that from parts work, but we also know that we have these odd pains. This is what my mentor is incredible at, doing the remote healing, because I had a terrible neck and a terrible lower back. He went in and he's in Tasmania, I'm in Victoria, in Australia, over the phone, he went in and cleared my neck and cleared my lower back. So, so over yeah. the phone. So over we're talking energy work, not just massage. Oh, yeah. This was oh, energy wow. work. That's amazing. Over the phone. Yeah. And he didn't say anything. He just said, sit there, be calm while I do this. I could hear wow. him breathing and it just went... So that's something that I've been fascinated with for a while. I've been following different energy workers like Charlie Goldsmith and um, Bill Bengston. And so I haven't gotten to the point where I'm great at doing it long distance like that, unless it's in a collective group situation, then yes, because I have like a weekly healing group that that's what we do. But one-on-one with the energy work, I find I still need to have the person in the room, but I am like, just amazed when I run into people like like your mentor or like Charlie Goldsmith, you know, people that can do that across vast distances. Yeah. Just sending their awareness or their consciousness into your body. And oh my gosh, it just blows my mind. And even though I know it's possible, it's still, it's just, it's magical. I mean, it is. I know that there's science behind it and we haven't figured it all out yet, but nonetheless, it's magical. I think humans are magical. Oh. And when you get that uh, that physical response, I mean, and you felt it, you felt it as he was doing this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know, that's whether that's mind over matter. People could say that, but you know what? Does it matter? Mind I, over that, matter? Does it? I don't does. mind if it doesn't matter. Don't matter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> as long as it works, right? Because that's yeah. the, the proof is in the results. And this is probably 18 months ago now. So, you know, he, he went in, cleared it, and that was it. Wow. And then and it was a, another session I had with him. It was not that long after my mother had died, but he wasn't aware of that. And he was bringing forward these symbols and saying, there's, there's something there. And I said, oh, my God, yes, that's my mother. Oh, wow. That's something he could not have any idea about. He wasn't even aware she died. So this wow. this stuff, it, it comes to challenge so This you. was just from him going into your body and he mm-hmm. was able to determine that. That's Over amazing. The Over yeah. the phone. Wow. Yeah, not even on a Zoom so that he could see my expression. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So tell us about what would happen in a session with, you like what so if somebody comes calls you um hey dr sue i'm having some issues with anxiety and some grief i've lost a family member um i'm struggling to get out of the house uh because of anxiety like what would sort of be next steps because i would love for you to get some sessions from this if you're are you are you currently doing sessions right now yeah 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 okay perfect my main yeah my main practice is the sport hypnotherapy but as a slight aside from that, I do have a program for women who have issues with horse riding. Um, they've had uh, a fall or an accident, incident, something that's happened to them. So they're not riding, they want to get back into it. But um, also all combined with that in this package is the, the health aspect because they haven't been riding, they will have lost a certain amount of fitness they will have lost, um, apart from their courage and their uh, their desire to ride because the anxiety and fear is over, over, overriding it, but mm-hmm. it's all packaged so I can get them back into it. And that all goes back to the quantum counselling because I advise oh, okay. them uh, on rebuilding their physical body while I help them with their mental body because we do the hypnotherapy sessions, uh, we go back and try and find out why. And it's amazing because I've been doing this, dealing with equestrians now for four and a half years, and the number of people who go back to somewhere around between five 
five and seven years old, when they've either had a nasty fall off a horse because horsey people are horsey people and goes right back right. to childhood, or their parents told them, you're hopeless. What You know, why do you do this? Whatever. And this is stuck in their brain. These are women between 30 and 70 years old. Oh, wow. And the majority go back to something like that and something that's happened to them in their early childhood and they've carried it with them all those years. Mm. We discover it and they say, I didn't even remember that happening, but I know it did because now that you've brought it forward, it's oh, yeah, I know that. And then we clear it and then we can move on from there and rebuild their Mm. confidence, rebuild their ability to go out and um, interact with their horse because horses being so sensitive, they pick up anything that they want, their anxiety, their fear. I often so, think anybody who doesn't believe in telepathy hasn't spent any time with horses or animals in general, but specifically <laughs> horses because it's so obvious with them that they oh, respond that energy immediately. Field. Yeah, that energy field they can feel it. You become and, one. Yeah, yeah. and Heart Math Institute—they've done mm. the um, the, tr- the investigation as well that the horse can sense the rider's heartbeat from oh, so many wow. inches away. That's and, I mean, it all goes goes back to science it's not totally woo-woo people think it is a bit woo-woo well you know what woo is just um phenomenon that science hasn't yet had the tools to measure and quantify so there's i feel like there's uh (laughs) in the realm of woo there's less and less actual woo because we're learning more and more and so we're replacing what people think of as woo-woo with actual um evidence-based, uh, empirical, quantifiable, measurable science. So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. And then, Which is uh, one of the reasons I tend not to use the word spirit or spirituality in my work yeah. so much because I don't mm-hmm. want it to be inaccessible to science-minded people. Yeah. It's absolutely accessible. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, well, Einstein said it was woo, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Yes. Yes, spooky action at a distance. Spooky. That's pretty woo. Yes. <laughs> spooky. Yes. I go to the uh, the uh, absolute expert in the physics field. Yes, so there is that aspect of it that even he uh, admitted was there, the spookiness right, right. of it. But um, oh, what was I going to say about the... Um, Oh, yes, with the, combined with the hypnotherapy that I do for these sports people, I, I combine that with NLP. So mm-hmm. while their mind is... And for people who don't know what that is, NLP. Neuro-linguistic programming, which okay. is putting in um, positive messages that uh, certain things will trigger, like with my horse riders, as they get on, I say focus between the horse's ears. You will see a spot there. And when you see that spot, da 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 da, da you know, you'll, you'll relax, you'll do this and do that. So that every time they get on the horse, they look at that spot and they go, right, now I'm in riding mode. Right. And I do similar things with the other sports people for the basketball. Uh, you'll see the net, uh, the, the hoop, and the hoop will be a metre wide so that every time you go for the free throws, the ball will go exactly in the middle of this huge hoop. Mm. So it's just, yeah, That's things cool. like that that will trigger the positive mm-hmm. responses. And so you're getting them into a flow state using mm-hmm. NLP, which is a, a type of hypnosis, um, yeah. and getting them into a flow state so that they're focused on that thing happening but in a very uh, relaxed easy manner like of course it's going to happen which also sort of brings in a little bit of the quantum stuff right because we're like yes. we're mm-hmm. already in that future moment and so how could it not Absolutely. happen yeah yeah, yeah it's really effective really effective and uh, especially in the, the sports where you have that repetitive thing like you're always going to be going for a goal in the in basketball mm-hmm. golf you're always going to be trying to get the ball in the hole mm-hmm. so these things, you can program these positive um, ways of doing the thing. It's um, And when they're in hypnosis and their mind is open to the positive suggestions, that's the perfect time to be installing the NLP. 
Yeah. So, yeah, it all works really well for the sports people. <laughs> well, your your sports clients are very fortunate to have you available to them. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. I was so I was wondering how does that tie in with the doctor of quantum counseling and the quantum journeys hypnosis that you do, but you explained that beautifully that, you know, as you're um, coming back to a place of almost like being comfortable in your body again, after a fall or some sort of trauma, that that's where you would bring those elements in to help them to repair Mm -hmm. uh, beliefs as well as um, all the way down to the cellular level. It sounds like. Yeah. Well, that's part of the law of, um, Prosperity is you need to create a vacuum so that the prosperity can move into it. So, ah, um, when, yes, so you do the hypnosis to remove that negativity from whenever it happened. To create that, the root space. Cause, we call it. But uh, remove that creates a vacuum. Then you can allow mm. the positivity to move in. So it's not only for the law of prosperity, it's for anything where you need to fill something with positivity, uh, get rid of the old negative stuff that you don't need anymore, and then build on this positivity, fill the space, and then you can move on and and remove more of the negative once you realise that you can do it. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it does, as you say, it does all tie in. So I would like to know, how did you end up going down this path? Let's say, you know, young Sue Williams in her 20s, 30s, whatever, like what caused you to go like, I think this is what I want to do with my life? Well, I have looked back and they say that what you like the most when you're a child is the the path you'll take. Like if you heard that too, like seven years old is like the yeah, yeah. What well, obviously, I was a horsey person back then, and that stayed with me. That's what you're doing now. Um, more with the riding than helping people, but yeah, I never knew what I wanted to do, no idea. I went to career counselors, had no idea through my life. I've been in just a series of jobs that have paid the bills. But they haven't been what I've wanted to do. And then for 26 years, I've worked for the Department of Education as a business manager. Oh, wow. And again, again, that was, it was a great job. Work, the, the school that um, I have been working in is a residential um, camp for, for um, grade five and six kids. So I've been there for 21 years and fabulous environment to be in. But again, the that thing, no, there's more, there's more. This isn't what you're meant to do. And then when I got to about 60, 60 years old, I was introduced to mindfulness through my job. Mm. And, oh, okay, there's something about this that's attracting me. So I did training and that became a master mindfulness practitioner. And then just... One thing after another, you go down one rabbit hole, and you go right. down another. Yes, and ended up with the, the hypnosis just as um, a logical progression from the mindfulness. So I did yes. the training for the hypnosis, and it's all gone on from yeah. there. And then I had the hypnosis first, and then got into the the quantum counselling again, just as a, an aside. Mm-hmm. You know, you you find out these things when you're ready to find out about them. You know, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, and I, I, I've experienced it myself. So it's not even like I believe in that. Like I know that to be true. As yeah. soon as the next level is ready to be revealed, it just there it is. Um, what a fascinating story. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I think the quantum uh, journeys as well. They were another step along the, that. That yeah. Path. Well, and it seems like it ties in so perfectly with what you were already doing you know, um, that it just sort of like, whoop, like dovetail right, right in yeah. there, you know? Yeah, because the, the sport hypnotherapy is, I suppose, if hypnosis can be mainstream, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. more mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. But then I've got this whole other way uh, of, uh, of offering hypnosis to people now because the quantum journeys is so different to right. what I do with my daily practice. 
Sure. Well, and what's interesting, this is actually a conversation that I was just having earlier today on one of the social media platforms with somebody, but it was somebody saying like, you know, I'm really curious about all this stuff, but I worry how my current clientele and, um, you know, peers would react if suddenly I started talking about this woo-woo stuff. And mm. my, my my response was, well, it's not like learning this takes away what you already know. It just builds mm. upon it. It's not like if you are doing all of this more traditional, um, you know, hypnotic work, change work, and then you learn these other tools at the quantum um, woo-woo level, it's not like somehow this negates that. It builds upon it. And I don't oh, yeah. think that anybody is going to, and if they do, then maybe they're not the right client for you. I don't know. But I feel like it's all in how the language you use, you know? Mm -hmm. um, if, if anybody were to say like, oh, well, I really liked you before you became more educated and knowledgeable. I think now yeah. I have to not, I have to not um, trust you anymore because you went and got more education in a yeah. direction that I don't agree with. Like who's gonna, who's gonna do that, you know? That's right. <laughs> But again, I, I'm just thinking now because we've got the, the temple of healing. Yes. That that just melds again with yes. the quantum counseling. Yeah, and I was so so again, like when you're ready to find something, it just appears. Um yeah. I had run into um a hypnosis trainer, uh alchemical hypnosis uh was is his yeah. his mm -hmm. thing, David Quigley. Yeah. Um, on Facebook. And I was like, hey, you know, I've been kind of like peripherally like involved, like I've, I've seen you around, but he had this class coming up and I was like, I, I'm feeling drawn to take this class. Um, I wasn't feeling drawn towards his academy or even him really, but I was very drawn towards this one class for some reason. I couldn't even explain it. I was like, okay, intuitively I need to take this class. And in this class, there was a whole bunch of stuff, but one day briefly we touched upon this concept of the temple of healing. Mm -hmm. And the class was three days long. Coming away from it, that's the one thing that I really remembered because I think that was the thing that I was supposed to take the class for, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I started playing around with it in sessions. I've changed it quite a bit, but the concept of the Temple of Healing, I do want to give credit where credit's due. It comes from David Quigley with Alchemical Hypnosis. Um, but it has become something different in Quantum Journeys Hypnosis. But yeah, that was one of those things where I was missing something. I was doing all these sessions and sort of letting the client lead me. But there was like, there was a missing component, a missing piece. And as soon as mm -hmm. the temple of healing and the inner healer, like made itself known to me, I was like, there it is. That's that yeah. thing. That's what we needed. And then you took it. It's like a little gear that goes into the machinery. And now the wheel turns. That's you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. Yes. So again, you can use that um, to go through all the foods, as you know, yes. all the foods that you shouldn't be eating that are affecting your body adversely. So you get rid of the, the heavy metals, then you nourish it and you have the organic food whenever you can. And intuitively, if you're using the, the Temple of Healing, you can find out exactly what you shouldn't be eating, which is usually right. what you really, really think you want to eat. <laughs> right, usually but the things that we're craving, which is coming from mm, other... I mean, what was it? Something like... Um, I can't remember what the percentage was, but we have a high, high percentage, higher than I was, I was surprised by this, a high percentage of um, uh, cellular activity within our bodies that's not actually ours. So like parasites, mm -hmm. fungus, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. um, you know, all these things, microbes of various forms, enzymes, <laughs> things that are not like endemic to our bodies, but they yeah. nonetheless need to be in balance with us. They help things work. Yeah. Sometimes there's things in there that should not be there. So who's to say that when we're craving these bad foods, it's even us. It might be some parasite that is in our body or some, you know, candida apparently uh, can cause oh, people to well, crave like cheese and beer and, and sugar. Stuff, right? So and many sugar? of those parasites live on sugar. So they're wanting you to just keep eating that chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And so here we go, go around thinking like, well, if we shame ourselves enough to not want these, that that's going to work. Well, I don't think that these little parasites and fungal spores care about our shame so much. If not anything, maybe it like feeds them, <laughs> you know? So detox and treat the vessel with kindness and honor, right? The vessel being the, the, the body. Yes. Um, and you yes, can't go wrong. 
and the meditation, yes. the, the whole that whole stuff. I mean, I think now because I grew up through the the time of the the Beatles in the sixties, and with the transcendental meditation and all that sort of thing, because my parents obviously thought, oh, you know, stop that. That's evil. That's the devil coming through in this music mm. and so on. But you think that wow. now, well, they were on to something quite quite revolutionary because that was spread to so many people back then that were totally unaware of it outside the Christian religion. Mm-hmm. I grew up, obviously, in a, in a Christian country at that stage. We had the white Australia policy, the whole thing. But uh, it was so different. Now you look back and you think, oh, wow, now that just using, not necessarily that I'm advocating using transcendental drugs, but they were searching for something outside of themselves and it was so revolutionary yeah. when you look back because people yeah. are using it. Well, and now it's just talked about like, a, oh, yeah, psilocybin, no big deal, right? Or yeah, I went on an right. ayahuasca. Like I've seen businessmen in two-piece suits with a tie tell me, oh, yeah, I went on an ayahuasca ceremony six weeks ago. And I'm just like, wow, I would not have guessed that, you know? <laughs> but, you know, so many things have changed. Actually, something that you said earlier in the podcast um, when you were talking about how, you know, you had these jobs and you were just doing the jobs because that's what paid the bills. And they weren't bad jobs, but they weren't where you're, you know, you felt like mm, there's still something that I should be doing, like something's missing. Mm. Um, 50 years ago, I don't think very many people thought that way. They just felt grateful to have a job, even if it was a job they didn't like. It didn't exactly. occur to them that they could have a job that they actually were passionate about, except maybe the outliers that were like the artists and the musicians, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the actors. But I think mainstream society, it didn't even occur to them that there was any other way of being. Um, and and, uh, and now it's completely that. the opposite. Oh, now it's yeah. like people are not willing to work a job unless they have... They get something out of it more than just a paycheck. Mm. They're just not willing, you know. But looking back, I think that's why I didn't know what I wanted to do because right. what, what I'm able to do now just wasn't there. Right. You couldn't go to the career counsellor and they would say, oh, you're suited to be a hypnotherapist and to do quantum counselling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't was even a thing. A, yeah. You could be a nurse, a teacher, a secretary. If you were a female, if you are yeah. a male, there might be a few more options. You know, you could yeah, be an astronomer, they, you could be a doctor. <laughs> Females were pretty yeah. limited, yes. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's fascinating. You know, I remember also, uh, I've been a huge science fiction fan. My, I think since I was 12, I stumbled upon my very first um, Heinlein book, Robert Heinlein. And, and I love fantasy too, but mostly science fiction. Anyway, and I remember the concept of there being AI. And I was looking oh. forward to the day that AI could take over all of the like menial tasks so the humans could get to the business of creating art and music and, you know, all these beautiful things. And then so AI comes about and somehow or another it's flipped. Like the humans are still doing the menial tasks, but the AI is creating the art. <laughs> like, wait a minute. This is supposed to be the other way around. So I do I do use AI sometimes, but I don't use it for that. I use it for like, you know, can you please proofread this thing? Or like, yeah. you know, stuff oh. like that. But, mm. but yeah, yes. it's just funny it, how 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 20, like, could we have imagined that, you know, 2024 would be what it is now? I thought we would have flying cars before we had, you know, some of the other stuff that we actually have going yeah. on now. <laughs> But looking back to my favourite TV show when I was really little, I mean, we got TV here in 56 and my father actually worked for Pi, which was uh, one of the big technology companies at the mm. time. So we had a TV in our home when no one else did because he was testing it uh, for the, the business he worked for. And one of, once it got a bit more established, my favorite tv show was a for andromeda which was early science fiction yeah and i was just i would just be glued to the tv yes. i was probably about five maybe wow I knew nothing about 
anything. But this show just drew me in and this, and it was all computers. And Well, I have you know, another podcast interviewee who would say that is a suggestion that perhaps you're a star seed, Dr. Sue. I haven't, I haven't had her on yet, but I know she's coming. And so I'm going to ask her about that. Like do star yeah. seeds, star seeds being for those who aren't familiar, um, is the concept of a consciousness that comes from somewhere other than earth that decides to take on earth life cycles or times, lifetimes. Um, anyway, so I'm going to ask her, I'm going to be like, do you think that yeah. star seeds know I, early on? Do they tend I to be really attracted to things like sci-fi? I even call my doll Andromeda. <laughs> and people, what the heck is that? <laughs> you know, instead of That's Betty great. or Jane or something. Like it's Andromeda. That's yeah. great. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Well, it's been a wonderful, um, a wonderful 45 minutes or so. I do want to ask, as we wrap up, um, what would be the best way to reach you, to get in touch with you? Um, also, do you have any programs coming up? And then as far as the book goes, you said you were going to, you were going to give a link because we didn't end up talking about that so much. So if you want to spend like a couple minutes talking more about the book, I'm totally open to that. I think people will. Oh, that's know. okay. I'll, yeah. I'll put a link on the website for okay. the book and then, yeah. And then people can find out more about it there rather than try and describe it now because it's a bit involved, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah my main website is sporthypnotherapy.com. Okay. So not sports, but sport, sport. sporthypnotherapy.com. Okay. And then that on that site, it gives links to other things that to I do. As well. so, and what's the title yeah. of the book again? So people can look it up. Yep. Let me tell you exactly what it is. It is Quantum Prosperity, The Universal Equation for Financial Success. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was, it's been a pleasure. And um, I look forward to having a follow-up interview with you at some point. Let's wait till this book comes out and you're like, you've yeah. got some, some referrals and some um, reviews on it and everything, because mm. I have a feeling it's going to make a pretty big splash. And I've got two more to come. It's actually oh. a trilogy. So there are two more on other subjects. But all ah. wanting, yeah, how it affects different areas of our lives. That is exciting. That is exciting. I'm just, uh, and it's also such an honor to have you as a student slash graduate now of quantum. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, that's how I found out about you. And I was like, yeah. wow, this woman is amazing. This whole like quantum counseling thing and everything that you're doing with, um, you know, equine, um, we didn't even really talk a whole lot about that either, did we? The the, yeah, the animal communication. Really. I don't want to. I don't want to like cut us too short. I just know we're re reaching the top of the hour. But I would yeah. like if you have just five minutes, like talk a little bit about about that about the um, the, the animal, animal communication. Yeah, that that's, that is amazing. I'm what does that entail? Doing it um, with a, a oh a lady from South Australia who's been doing it for a very long time. And she's known that she has been able to communicate, not with just with the animals, but as you have said mm -hmm. in the past, with everything that has a consciousness, yes. she, yeah, she communicates with the plants and all the rest of it as well. I haven't but, outed myself on the podcast yet as being able to communicate with trees, but that's okay. You can out me. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come out eventually. <laughs> but yes, I can communicate with cats and trees and money. Uh, that was an interesting consciousness to communicate oh, with. But anyway, yeah, yeah. We'll have to talk well, about can, that, you and I. We can, can we can do now. it. You can yeah. see now why you can communicate with the money. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> but no, yeah, no, no. Go back. What, yeah, what do you mean? She was, she was, uh, has been an amazing teacher. And being in a group of other people, women, no men in the group doing mm -hmm. the animal communication. But yeah, we've all, we all have different ways of communicating. And I just have to be really aware because if I'm talking to an animal, it'll just go bam. And if I miss it, then I'm, you know, I've missed out on a lot of the conversation with the animal. Mm. Other ladies in the group feel it through their body. I don't feel it so much. I just get this thought that comes straight away. Is it so, visual or more cognitive or um, how do you it, receive it? It's, it's cognitive 
it, it's actually like their thought is in my head, mm-hmm. which so if they're in pain, that will lead me, rather than seeing the spot on the body, which some of the other women do, okay. um, it'll lead me to where the pain is. So mm-hmm. they'll tell me where it is and then I can go and look. And it's just amazing because I'll get it from my horses in the paddock. I'll go down wow. and they'll, one will have a sore leg. And it wasn't sore the last time I saw the horse, but the cow has gone into my head. So I'll go and I love check. that you prefaced this by saying that everybody has a different way of communicating oh, because that yeah. is so true. That's why I was asking, how do you receive it? Because yeah. um, I'm still pretty new at receiving it, believe it or not. Like it's, it's only been a couple of years, but um, I don't, I don't necessarily have to tune in. It just happens. But when it happens, I get the fully formed thought just cognitively goes, doink. but I've talked to other people who they will like get a visual, like, like um, the thought that the animal is having will just jump from the animal's mind to their mind. So like, if they yeah. want to go on a walk, suddenly they'll picture their dog on a walk and be like, yeah. oh, you want to go on a walk, right? Um, and so yours is their thought form, but maybe not visual, more just like directing you to what is going on with them. What, yeah. I love that we all have such different, unique ways of receiving mm. communication. Oh, yeah. I'm always and a little jealous of the people who have other methods that I don't have. Oh, not jealous of the true sense, but I'm just like, I want to oh. have that one too. Oh. You know? <laughs> yeah. Not that I'm not it's grateful of, for what I do have, but yeah. That's, one of the ladies in our group has um, um, a past dog who comes as a helper and the dog brings in um, thoughts and feelings from other animals and is sort of like the conduit between the woman and the animal she's communicating with. And I think what a wonderful thing if you could have that. But the other I actually have an interview, a podcast interview with another woman, Jess Marion, who was talking about something similar. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but she has uh, a dog who had passed away that is like her um, companion on the other side now in a way, like a pseudo spirit guide. I I don't like to use that word because I don't like labels, but, but is, is there to communicate with her now? And, and here you are bringing it up again. And I had never even like, huh, what an, what an interesting concept. Oh, but this dog just—I was going to say something else, but just on that topic. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. This dog has brought forward um, information. Um, what it was something to do with her area. They were going around spraying fire ants, and this oh. dog came through to the the woman and said, "Be very careful because these chemicals are going to make you and your animals sick," and she'd had. All, um, already a feeling that these chemicals were doing something, that this mm. dog came through. She didn't realise it was the chemicals. Right. She just knew that they were spraying in the area and the dog came through and said, be very careful because this is going to adversely affect you and the other a- animals on your farm. Wow. And she had not made the connection That's incredible. until this thought came to her from this so dog. that dog saved her and all of these other animals on her farm yeah, and probably yeah. the plants and, and all kinds and of yeah, the whole ecosystem yeah yeah, yeah. That's because it was um it was being done lo- by local government mm-hmm. so the residents had no control over what was happening but and probably weren't she, even informed I'm no guessing. oh no 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 but once once she realized then she did the investigation because yeah. it didn't, yeah, she didn't know about the spraying. I'm probably not telling it in the correct order. No, but I mean, she just like that's such a beautiful, the, the concept that our unseen allies, I like that better than spirit guides, our unseen allies can actually yep. save our lives in these ways. And I, I feel I feel like there's a seen ally that's hiding behind a filter right there. Oh, <laughs> it went from unseen to seen, just like that. <laughs> So for the people who are listening to the podcast, Dr. Sue's dog was coming up, but she has a um, Zoom filter on, so I couldn't see the dog. Um, and now all of a sudden I can see the dog. So went, perfect timing. Perfect timing. We're talking um, about unseen allies and then there it, it is. 
were talking about the dog since we were off. Yeah. We were talking about you, baby. Oh, yeah. what a sweetheart. What a sweetheart. Well, thank you so much. This has been an absolute honor and a pleasure. And I look forward to having a follow-up interview with you, um, you know, maybe six months from now or something, and we can yeah. sort of catch up again. Um, you're just a fascinating, fascinating person. I love your oh, story of you. how you came into all of this and then, you know, the different um, methods that you're using and how they all kind of segue, you know, from one to the next. And yeah. anyway, yeah, just beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you oh, so much. It's been and, an honor for me to be on your podcast. It's been just amazing. Yeah. We could talk forever, I think, but yeah. Yes, we won't talk we could. <laughs> Oh, I don't think we'll be boring them. They can always <laughs> tune us out if they want to. They don't, we're not, we're not, we're not making them stick around. <laughs> There's no guns to anybody's head. Um, but no, I just, I, I have to wrap it up now because I have another thing happening too, but um, I could talk to you forever. I absolutely could talk to you for forever and ever. This could easily be a two-parter. So let's, let's make it that. Let's make it a two-parter. We'll just pick up the second part in a few months. Yeah, for sure. I'd really love to do that. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sue Williams. You've been an absolute pleasure to chat with. I will make sure that the listeners and watchers get all of the links that we had talked about yep. and mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Chris. It's, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, my intrepid travelers. Did that last episode blow your mind? We journeyed deep into the intersection of quantum healing, the science of consciousness, hypnosis and the metaphysical and let's just say reality isn't always quite what it seems is it but fear not there is much more to come this is only just the beginning quantum journeys podcast is your passport to mind-bending adventures where we push the boundaries of what is possible so stay curious stay open and remember the power to change everything lies right there within you we'll meet again soon on the quantum frontier this is Chris and Marie Bowman, your 